Why do electrical devices malfunction during paranormal events? How about when non-electrical objects start to move on their own? How do entities on, quote, the other side, unquote, of the paranormal events see us? Hello and welcome to the 634th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and those wide-eyed questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this afternoon we bring you an open line show to vainly try and catch up with our mile-high stack of listener questions. As always, we welcome your calls. The numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada and 401-766-1240 locally. Also, we will monitor emails, paul at behindtheparanormal.com for emails. Okay, uh, we are going to start with a couple of hundred Facebook messages we've received the first one is from Susie in Aurora, Illinois, and Susie refers, uh, when she refers to Noreen, she's talking about Noreen Balovich, very, very good uh, YouTube show uh, that can be seen uh, on her, I guess, what, what, what do you have in YouTube, network stations? Or uh, I mean, it's like a, like, a, like a page, like a subscribing kind of thing. So, I mean, there's uh, well, not anyway, a, it's whatever. There. Yeah, well, yeah, we know, we'll, yeah. Yeah, you can, you can find uh, links on our site. Yes. Number one there, Mike. Alrighty, so Susie writes to us. Uh, you're, you're talk, uh, you're talking with Noreen, you speaking of the brown robed ghost. I see them all the time. Uh, one spoke to me one time and I remembered his face, the eyes and everything about him. Even at, uh, work one time, one, uh, passed by me and faded away. A few times I see them here in the house and I wonder why. Okay, now I'll explain that a bit before we answer it. On the show, which was, actually was only a few weeks ago with Noreen, we were talking about the, the Litchfield case. As a matter of fact, I was in the Litchfield, Connecticut house where our case began. Uh, this was on Thursday evening, actually a week ago this past Thursday. Um, it was the uh, March, no, it was, I don't know, whatever. It was a week ago this past Thursday. And it was quite interesting. And we got off, it was a three-hour show. And I know it was freezing in this room, not because of any ghosts or anything, because it's just an old, you know, 220-something-year-old farmhouse. And uh, the owner of the house was in there with me wearing gloves. And it was, uh, Ben, you know the house very well. Yes. And uh, we were supposed to be talking about that. But we got off onto our, our general theories of what the paranormal is all about. And it resulted in some very interesting discussions, including uh, one species uh, we have run into in this case already, uh, that many years ago, Ben named the clerics. All right, the clerics. Uh, now let me explain that. In our theories, we're dealing, as anybody who listens to the show regularly knows, uh, with not with a spirit world and a material world, but with many, many, many worlds as theorized in quantum mechanics in many different ways and interpretations. We feel that we see this in the paranormal. That we're not dealing with spirits. We're at least anything that we would be, I suppose, called spirits in the classical sense, but we're dealing with other kinds of very material life forms that are seen sometimes in, in gauzy or wispy ways across the electromagnetic boundary of these parallel worlds. Very, very strange concept, but that's how we, we approach it, and that's what we see, uh, we believe we see, and that explains all the unexplainable things that would be uh, questions if these were just spirits. Why are they wearing clothes? Why are they driving cars sometimes? You know, these are how people have certain paranormal experiences. And so the materiality is explained, we believe, uh, by uh, one or another version of this multiple worlds theory. So that's uh, so we got into that. So the, the brown-robed figures uh, to whom our writer refers uh, are, I believe, these clerics. Uh, they are... The thing you have to remember about these these parallel worlds is that in the interpretation of quantum mechanics or the multiple worlds theory that we subscribe to, that we believe we see, all things are possible. Anything that's that's possible does and can, not only can exist, but does exist in some concrete form somewhere or some when in this multiverse in which all things exist simultaneously. Now, Einstein got into that in his general relativity theory where essentially time is simultaneous. It's it's a um, uh, function. We, we experience it past to future. We experience linear time past to future as a function of our consciousness. So all these things are kind of right next to us all the time, which may be the big secret that the UFO community is always yelling about. Maybe it's not about somebody being from other planets, which I think is pretty safe from a safe distance, but, but all these 
quote-unquote alien creatures in a broad sense of the term being right next to us all the time. So this is essentially what we're talking about. So that's the background of the question. Uh, and the answer actually is a, sh- a lot shorter than the explanation. <laughs> but, so, th- these are very, uh, the different worlds very often have very different laws of physics, which is why I could stand in a house in 1974 with a bunch of police officers and firefighters and watch a refrigerator float across the room. That's, you know, not, there wasn't some ghost lifting the refrigerator in my opinion. It was, uh, various inter- interactive worlds washing across one another at that point in that kitchen and the different laws of physics um, being suspend our laws of physics being suspended in favor of those of another world in which the refrigerator could float. Uh, that's the best explanation I um, thought of in, in uh, subsequent years. So these clerics, uh, the brown-robed figures, are often... Uh, there's one f- picture of them, Ben. I, I'm sure you, it was taken at a church in England. I believe it was in the 1930s. And there is one of these clerics standing there. And it, it, it most people consider this one of the scariest, quote, ghost photographs unquote, they have ever seen. And I have seen experts, um, some of whom we know, trying to analyze this photo, and they really can't think of any sort of lens effect or any sort of uh, person in a suit or anything, and, and, and they have the actual negative. It doesn't look like anything's been faked. And you have this really uh, very oddly tall, thin, uh, tall like eight feet or more, thin, figure with this these robes and a hood and a mask over its face that looks really scary but when you know these these creatures uh that it's if we interpret it correctly from our you know our work in the paranormal slash multiverse uh that's what they wear when they pray they are very gentle good um beneficent species who have a society of their own, of course, in their own world, but it's, it seems to be a very uh, quiet and good world from our point of view. And they at times seem to uh, be protective of us as we might, suppose we might volunteer in a soup kitchen for those less fortunate. Uh, in their world, it's, it's uh, apparently very, uh, uh, they're aware of other neighbors and neighboring worlds, and there are many worlds that I've encountered where that's, that's quite normal. Here, they'll fill you your pockets full of antipsychotic drugs and tell you you're schizophrenic <laughs> half the time. So you have to be kind of careful with this. So th- those are the figures that I think um, our writer is talking about. The um, various uh, encounters, and I have not had that many with them, uh, they are always very uh, beneficent in this sense. And uh, so we don't, uh, we like them. I think they they are good people. They are people. That, you know, again, they're, they're not spirits. They're not angels. They're perfectly physical. And uh, we actually worked with one in one case uh, in the, the Litchfield house from which I did the show. So it has, um, and there are others, other kinds of uh, beings, if you will, uh, of which there are photographs. Um, and we have encountered them at various times. Very good. Because these are sort of the opposite of these parasites we're always talking about who are not necessarily good. They feed upon negative um Energy, if you will, for lack of a better term, and this sort of thing. So, Ben, uh, anything to add to the commentary on our friends, the clerics? No, you pretty much nailed it. Oh, thank you. I love it when my son says that. Anyway, okay. I mean, you, you got you got you have such detail in what you say, so there's really no, not much that we, can be, we know them. Well, exactly. You know? Well, no, what I'm saying is, there's not much I can add to it because right, right, right. You're very detailed. Thank you. You're welcome. Comes so, from 35 years as a journalist, I guess. I, sh- I should hope so. Yes. <laughs> Unless you just have some sort of. Ec- Extra sensory thing? I don't know. Whatever. Well, I, don't I, know. I don't know where I was going with that. Anyway, more questions. So this one is from Lisa in Connecticut. and she. Oh, no, did you skip one? Uh, yes, we're going to come back to that. Okay. Because I found this one more interesting. Okay. Alrighty, so Lisa uh, writes to us, I have a strange question. Uh, why are we present in this dimension or in this universe? Or this universe? I mean, when things stink, why can't we just choose to not be here in this time? Why can't we choose to be in another time frame? Aren't they all happening simultaneously, or am I misunderstanding? The I understand that time is not linear. I just wonder why I feel like I am stuck in this consciousness. I am probably not using the right terms for everything, but I hope you get the gist of what I'm saying. No, Lisa, actually, your question is very clear. Uh, it's almost as it's so clear. It's almost as if you listened to the answer to the last question because because yours seems to flow from it. Okay, uh, one of the principles we believe uh, in this multiverse idea is that, uh, as we said, things are happening simultaneously. 
but that uh, <clears throat> the caveat is that you and us, you know, they're all versions of ourselves in many, many of these parallel realities, alternate universes, whatever you want to call them. Uh, it's really not accurate to call them other dimensions because that's not the same thing as a parallel world, uh, within the worlds of various dimensions, which of course adds another layer to the cake <clears throat> that may or may not taste good. So, but we, uh, have issues here with, uh, why can't we be conscious of, uh, a world that we that is better for us when things aren't going well in our lives. This uh, can be answered on several levels. One, and we haven't said this in a long time, but this question has come up from the beginning with us. And people say, "Well, if you know if this is true, how come I'm not aware of other?" Well, you you are aware in your subconscious. At the risk of oversimplification, we believe that the conscious world in which you find yourself right here and now. Uh, is just the tip of the iceberg, and within your subconscious are all the other lives you are living, and that's where really your imagination comes from, your creativity, your stupidity at times, we all have that problem as well, um, from worlds where that is actually taking place and where it's all you. That sounds like an oversimplification, but if you really look at it, uh, within the brain, uh, no one has really... For, at least for certain, pin down where memory is or where imagination is or this sort of thing. No, there, there are hints and there are clues and there is some evidence, but it, it really can't be entirely pinned down, which means, as, as uh, philosophers and physicists of consciousness say, that, our, that those traits are non-local. Our personalities are non-local. In other words, they're, they're, they're not within our bodies, at least not entirely, not, not entirely within our brains. There is a connection with some other, at least people, and certainly with other realities. So, uh, now that, that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is, uh, is really, um, that you, that we as a species perhaps have not evolved to a point where we can handle being, having all these lives in our consciousness, at least here and now. But there are others where we have. So, in other words, in a parallel life uh, somewhere else, and somewhere else, suppose you're, you're, you're living, you could be living in 1835 as a farmer, you could be living 20 centuries from now uh, piloting a, a spacecraft for some alien civilization. You may, you may, you may have eight legs. I mean, I, this, this is all part of this. And the question, so I don't think we necessarily here and now can handle this. Necessarily, and as I say, when people do seem to be aware of other lives, and, and, and having worked in psychiatric hospitals as a seminary student and as a grad student in psychology, I ran into people that I'm, who I was convinced were living parallel lives, had been diagnosed as schizophrenic, were drugged up, um, but there were some living terrible parallel lives, and others being, were aware of wonderful parallel lives. Uh, I often tell the, the uh, it sounds like a joke, but it actually happened. Uh, when I was at Ogdensburg State Hospital, I believe this is 1975, before I, oh no, yes, just before I graduated from Wadham's Hall Seminary there, Roman Catholic Seminary, I um, was in the ward one time, and uh, th this was a state hospital. There were many uh, people who didn't have enough money to afford a regular hospital, and that they were in there. They weren't all necessarily psych patients. But the, but the, 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 doctor I was working with that day said, oh, you should go and meet this guy. He just got in. And the elderly man, and you, you hear the jokes about somebody thinking he was Napoleon. Well, see, well, this man actually does think he's Napoleon, and I can't convince him otherwise. <laughs> so I went in and talked to him. And uh, the, the, the depth of knowledge this man had, and you, you can almost tell when someone is, is recounting a historical event, whether they were there or not, because of the intimacy with which they experienced the event, this man talked as though he had been at Waterloo. He had the emotion in his voice as if he'd been defeated, which, of course, Napoleon was, uh, et cetera, et cetera. He would have backed through the history of the thing with in an articulate manner, such as I haven't heard in even in a college classroom on that subject. It was absolutely amazing. But finally, in the end, I said, you know, <clears throat> what convinced you that you were Napoleon? And he said... God told me, and the man in the next bed who'd been laying there like a lump rolled over and said, "I did not." <laughs> so I, after the, the, I should have gotten college credit for that conversation, except until the end, 
bit of theology came in after there. And I, uh, so that was it. So I, I, and something else goofy happened that day. I just went back to the seminary. I said, this is too crazy. So anyway. Um, I did not. I did not. Anyway, so but the point being that, that this man may very well have been aware of a parallel life in which he actually is. I, he can't say was because there's no past, no future. It's all simultaneous yeah. in a strictly physical sense, in the sense of physics. So uh, these are weird concepts, hard to get your mind around. But I think that we may not just be just not be up to handling all these awarenesses in any kind of elegant whole. I mean, we get terrified when things go slightly awry. Like, if, if something outside of our understanding happens, we get spooked by it. Sure. Now, imagine your entire life changes in, like, the blink of an eye, and you're in an entirely different place. No idea where you are, no idea where, who anybody is, but you do know who they are, but you don't. It's 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 one of those right, things. Right, right. It, it would be terrifying. Now we have a blizzard going on outside. Anyway, uh, to continue with Lisa's question, to take it one step uh, further, uh, there, this does not mean, what we've said, does not mean that you have no control. And here's where the real trick lies. In my opinion, the spiritual life is really uh, advancing in the spiritual life is the, is the act of being aware of and incorporating the good things in your, uh, shall we call it a super life, all these lives you're living, you can do what the shamans do. And shamans being, you know, you may call medicine men or whatever uh, from various indigenous tribes, and, and two uh, whom I knew uh, from different parts of the world, Australia and Quebec respectively, would say that's what we do for our people. We will go into parallel realities and take what's there and bring them back. Now, to be a shaman, uh, you can't just read books on it. You need to walk the walk and live the life and have some serious training. And Ben will tell you uh, that it's not anything you do lightly or that it does require a lot of training. And yeah. you can't just read books. So, because we've known uh, some, Ben has known one too. Yes. And it's, um, however, there are simple things people can do. We always say, keep it positive. Now we're not just saying that as as a you know some kind of a, of an off the cuff greeting. Po- keeping positive energy in your life is absolutely important. Uh, if you have a bad family situation, if you have a, a, a tough marriage, you can still try and bring in positive energy. Uh, how do you do that? Well, you if you you have positive friends, you engage in positive correspondence, you laugh in a positive way, uh, read happy. And positive books, or and films. Stay away from things that are depressing. I hate to say, because a responsible citizen has to watch the news, but you may have to limit that in order to keep your positive perspective. Because journalism is not what it used to be, and that's thirty-five years in journalism talking. Sometimes I'm ashamed of my profession. But in any case, these are all positive little things. You remember that movie? Uh, what about, about baby steps? Yes, that was some of the. Yeah, I don't know. The movie. I don't know. It was a flop, but it was the best advice. You can take take baby steps, baby steps little steps. The room, baby steps. Well, in this case, baby, baby steps, steps to positive bus. thinking. Yes. You know, and um, again, this is not sappy. It's it's extremely practical. I think keeping it positive, and in this way, you will tie into positive memories, positive lives you are living, and your life all around the the multiverse will get better. The more you have the habits of a positive person. Let me give you an example from a very basic paranormal perspective. I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but it's an important question. It's fine. One, t- you weren't involved. You weren't involved with me yet. It was 1998, and I'd been on a TV show with I wasn't John. Involved with you? I'm your son, Dad. Well, I mean, you weren't involved uh, paranormally speaking <laughs> until 2005. No, you, we've always been involved as father and son, of course. But you know what I mean. Behave yourself, Ben. So, it was a, a case in Connecticut. It wasn't really a case. It was just the person called me after he heard the show, uh, and, and he said, there are strange footsteps coming down my stairs in the morning. And it's right, we're all sitting there at breakfast, and you can hear that you can't see anything, and, and they, they were pretty shaken up about this. So I went over there, and um, sure enough, I was able to, I heard the steps myself in the morning, and I recorded them. That doesn't always work, but I did. And um, I asked him to record them on several occasions. If he had, any, he managed to do it on some occasions anyway. 
I compared the steps, uh, and they were all the same. There was no variation. So people would say, aha, residual haunting, something I don't believe in anymore anyway. And what it was, and I listened to the man coming down the steps in the morning. It was exactly the same sound. What was happening, in my opinion, and it's, it's funny, as soon as they realized this, it, it stopped and they never heard it again as far as I know, was that this man, every single day, in all kinds of different worlds, because we're, we're not in one world all the time, we're moving through various worlds in, in what we call a world family, uh, where variations may occur and this sort of thing, but that, that was him coming down the stairs in the morning. He did it so often in, in the same way that uh, he, it would be heard by everybody in all sorts of different situa- situations, sometimes at different times of the day, but generally in the morning, and it was him. With any ghost, you know. So the point being that the more you do something habitually, the more worlds it happens in and the more it will be part of your life. Hence, the idea of positive energy, bringing positive energy in. The more you bring in, even if you're having a crummy time right now, the better your life will get. Love, laughter, faith, you're all the basic, fundamental good things. This is not some new age touchy-feely thing it is a fact seen it again and again and again so that's the answer to the question lisa and um we'll be talking more about it i'm sure yes okay so uh, all right well, well i guess i guess we have time well, for you have a short a, one do you have a comment on the mm, well, what, what do you do in your life like for, for positive i mean you have a wonderful fiance you're getting married in three weeks believe it or not it's harder now uh, mostly because i have to Keep up a full time job. And a lot of practicality. Have, yeah. have to deal with mundane life on a daily basis, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just set little things to look forward to. Like, yeah. I give one of my my funnier coworkers a ride in the morning. I look forward to that. That's <laughs> good. Hey, anything. It's, it's, it's just good. in a very negative work environment. You got to find something yeah. that that makes me gives me something to look forward to. You know. I just you know I feel sorry for you having to do this, but I'm glad you know. I mean, w- when I married your mom, I, it was like. You know, we already ha- I was already editor of a newspaper, and you know had this kind of had. Well, now that you have PhDs working at McDonald's and stuff, I mean, this yeah, is, it's a different world. This is now commonplace. <laughs> I actually encountered a PhD at our local Walmart who was running the cash register. Yep. You know. Yep. Makes you wonder. Anyway, all right. So there we go. We will. Uh, we're not. That's not positive. So let, let's not do that. No. So no, not at all. Look at the bright. Look, look at the bright, On the bright side. side. I have a job. You have a job. You have a wonderful fiance. Yes. You have, you know, and, and uh, sometimes um, I'll be talking to someone and they just everything's negative. To, and I'll say, tell me one good thing. I'll do this with your mom. Tell me one good thing that happened today. And if if they have to sit there and wonder, then oh dear, then you have to suggest something. Yes. You know, uh, it stopped snowing because I like snow. For the next, yes, yes. Yeah, that's it. Whatever. But um, it's springtime. Kind you know, of. <laughs> all sorts of wonderful things are happening. You know, it'd be a sap about it, but you've got to keep it positive. So, so that's the secret. Indeed. All right. So let's uh, take our break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 in New England, snowy but beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. Well, welcome back to the show, and we have a number of charities Ben and I have adopted, and we will talk about those uh, during the announcements at the end of the show, but we want to continue with our um, emails here. Uh, I should say from Facebook, just simple simple questions we're dealing with today, uh, some of which are not so simple. So this one is from uh, Stephen in Michigan, okay, and uh, I will go kind of slowly here because uh, there are a number of things happening in in his house. Said uh, he's having activity since Sunday. This is a couple of weeks ago now. Uh, crazy stuff like my bedroom blinds uh, cords will begin to move, uh, like something is swiping at it. And, and this goes back to our question, which one of the questions with which we opened the show. Yep. It uh, electrical stuff going on and non-electrical stuff. What happens when things are moving? Uh, the water bottle in my. Let's go back to the, the note. The water bottle in my room started 
popping loudly. It scared me, so I took my smartphone out uh, on on rec- uh, record, put my smartphone on record, uh, and asked if there was someone in the room. This is not a good idea. And really, a low whisper said, yes. Freaked me out. Uh, can't sleep. And yesterday, I was in the kitchen, and there was a piece of paper towel sticking uh, out of um, a container. And uh, as I was close to it, it, it looked like somebody pulled... Uh, it into the trash can. Well, that's different. Uh, what is going on? I live with my sister. Uh, she's not getting bothered. Please, uh, I'm really f- freaking out. And I found out that, that uh, Stephen, because uh, I have talked to him uh, electronically, and I found out that Stephen lives about uh, lives north of Detroit, Michigan, uh, in an area that's near the Great Lakes, but not particularly. Um, known for strange phenomena. It's not a flap area, in other words, at least as far as I know. However, uh, our show, when we were on CBS, our show used to be carried on at Detroit Station, and we got a lot of reports from, from that area, uh, particularly around Detroit, the Detroit River, across the across the river in uh, Ontario, Canada. I mean, and, Detroit's not the happiest place. Well, it, it, this, this, that's the, the inner city, maybe, but I mean, the, the general suburban area around that is rather large. Yeah. And uh, is next to the Great Lakes, of course, in the midst of the Great Lakes. And um, the Great Lakes has a lot of strange activity because why? Water. Oh, yeah. yeah. We find that areas near water uh, can be, especially fresh water, can be very strange. Why? Because uh, electromagnetic fields can be conducted and mani- manipulated and uh, conducted through water, unless it's distilled water, okay, which is not the case in the Great Lakes. Right. So that may be one clue. There are a number of geotechnical oddities in this area. So what I may be saying here, Stephen, is that uh, before you consider that there is a spirit, even with this voice you uh, heard and and recorded, um, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. These, these, particularly cell phone, depending on what app you have, uh, can pick up all kinds of sounds. That and, and remember what we always say: the brain will take something, and whether it's a visual. Uh, object a, a picture uh, and we always point out the picture of the uh, ice someone sent us it was yeah. on the sidewalk here in one socket rhode island well same thing if you hear stuff too and you hear stuff too yeah, yeah. so you talk about that you're a sound uh, sound guy well i mean it's it's the brain will take things and it'll put in what it thinks should be there so if you think that something's supposed to be there you'll think that you hear something but you don't actually hear something. Yeah, whether it be seeing or Especially if it's or if it's like something like a whisper or whatever. Mm. Like that's very easy to be like, oh like wind could go by and like, oh geez, there's something whispering out my window. Yeah. Well we're talking about uh what is the, the ubiquitous phenomenon of uh EVPs or oh, electronic yeah. voice phenomena, uh which we are I'm on the fence about still. Yeah, well, we're kind of on the fence. We're not, you know, there are some... I don't that disagree are, with it, but I don't know. No, I mean, because, you know, we, we rely on photography. I mean, there's no reason why it couldn't really be um, real, I guess. Uh, people think they're spirit voices, and, you know, you, you have a conversation with the thing, and it answers you. Uh, my suspicion is that maybe, at least in some cases, uh, because you're, you're dealing with something that, that doesn't speak often uh, sometimes doesn't speak as what it claims to be. In other words, you're, de- you're dealing with a so-called ghost of a 19th century person, and it's speaking in 20th or 21st century terms. Well, that makes me suspicious. Yeah. Okay? Uh, the very fact that they're not afraid of you, some some do seem to be. Yeah, it's like Getty, like, it's, oh, Gettysburg. like, like Gettysburg stuff, like when people yeah. are like, oh, I got an EVP of a soldier, but he sounds like a modern-day person. Yeah, yeah, it didn't make sense. So there are all kinds of reasons why something may be picked up on a recording medium. What 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 about uh, you've you've talked about this on a number of occasions? Uh, I can't remember quite what white noise or oh pink noise pink noise yeah pink and white noise yeah 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 well there's well there's a there's a, a set of CDs that you can buy uh, it's called Golden Ears and it's meant to train your ears for mastering uh, being like uh, the the stage of at once you're done recording music you go and have something mastered so it'll sound like uh, what's the word consistent on every sort of medium that you hear it on. That's the whole point of mastering, fun yeah. fact. Um, and uh, there's a set of CDs that I, I mentioned that I, I had to I had to get at one point in time when I was in college, and I had to use these things. And I remember we would do exercises in, in one of my classes with it, and um, there was they would have a layer of white noise and uh, pink noise on top of that, and they would have a couple of little beeps, and you'd have to count the beeps. 
So basically, like there was there was a one point in time where I thought I heard eight beeps when there are actually seven, and my professor. Uh, I, I I said that I said it out loud and he was like oh no that's not right he's like you're going crazy he's like well I don't mean to say you're going crazy like what you the human brain will think in patterns like we think in patterns that's just what we do hence what you said earlier about making something out of exactly so if we think there's a pattern there like there should be eight beeps our brain will interpret something and think it's another beep so there should be eight beeps not seven so in actuality there are actually seven beeps and that eighth beep that we heard we didn't actually hear it the brain put it in there to finish the pattern mm-hmm. okay well in fairness to steven i mean there are some of these evps that that, that are are crystal clear oh yeah you know, no i'm not saying yeah. that i'm not saying that yeah so we're just we're just uh, trying to be uh, in a skeptical in a healthy way because yes. we haven't heard this steven you're very welcome to send it and, and we'll, we'll take a listen to it. Uh, I wonder if there are any others. Uh, however, again, I think that, that nine times out of ten, it's something that is not involving a quote-unquote spirit. And if it is, generally, it tends to be a parasite. Right. On the other hand, there, there are other um, – some very, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, Jason Hawes, of all people, told me this, um, that, that they were involved in – I guess it was an investigation of a hotel. And the, the conversation – because they do all this stuff, the ghost hunters – the conversation they had uh, with these, uh, with whoever this was, it was like, and he said, "My, he, we don't agree on anything." But he said, "You know, the, the, it made him think about the theories that we talk about, which is uh, somebody being in a par- perfectly alive in a parallel reality, and sometimes you can hear or see across the what physicists refer to as the membranes of the parallel worlds. Those who believe in this, yeah." And they were having this conversation with this person who was apparently very high standing socially, and um, or I'm going to call security and where are you? Uh, as if they were, you know, she thought they were hiding somewhere and trying to bother her. And, this, and in reality, they're in a different world. If that's what that's what it looked like, anyway. So um, even they admitted that that perhaps we had a point in this case. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So uh, this is this is the thing. So I would not worry, Stephen, that you have a spirit bothering you, um, because I, I would uh, I would you know, be cautious. I would take note of any things like this that occur, particularly anything you might see uh, apparition-wise. But everything else you talk about could be explained, and everything could be explained by the phenomenon of uh, ultrasonics. Okay, uh, what that is, and this was discovered in a British laboratory. In infrasonics. In, infrasonics. You, you know ultra, what I said? Ultrasonics. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you, you, I was you sitting there. I was, I was like, ultrasonics. I was well, like, what's I'm that? I was like, <laughs> give me a break. I was really excited about ultrasonics. that. Ultrasonics, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, infrasonics is basically um, really, really low frequency uh, sound waves that get pumped into a place, whether it's by, like, a faulty, like, motor or something on a fan or whatever. Subwoofer or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, subwoofer, uh, I don't know about a subwoofer. It wouldn't be, no, able, to, it wouldn't be able to handle it because it would, it's, it's so low well, you that it would hear it. Well, you wouldn't hear it, but yeah. you could feel it, potentially. You could feel it, right, right. It's, so you wouldn't, you wouldn't know, but it wouldn't be able to be produced by a speaker unless it was, like, specially designed. But the point is the point is that it, what it does is it it capture it gets stuck if it gets stuck in a space standing wave it causes a standing wave which causes resonances meaning like it'll vibrate certain certain materials if it, that it can't pass through so it would create these standing waves and possibly create paranormal phenomena and also terrify you right so uh, to take it a step further it could the sound that you can hear could create vibrations to move the yes. cords of the blinds. Yes. Or to do everything, Stephen, that you've been talking about here, with the possible exception of a whisper, but it could do that too, could it not? No. Okay, all right. Well, okay, well, you go, all right, there's two out of three, one out of three then. Um, okay, so maybe not the, I mean, the it whisper. Could, it, what, what it, it does, is. it can, I think it's something like 18 hertz, which we can't hear yeah. anything under but, 20. But things can move. This is how it was discovered. Uh, the stuff being pulled to the trash can is interesting, but th- there could be another. Well, the sense of too. fear is also caused by it too, because it me- because caused, it yeah. because it messes with your brain waves, and yeah. it, it just it's, it is that thing that sends that sends that shiver up your spine. There can be apparitions, yeah, at least as, as you perceive. Yes. So this could all be standing waves, uh, infrasonics, which can occur, and of course there could be geotechnic possibilities uh, under your your house, under your site, uh, which do take place around the Great Lakes. So. It, it seems, Stephen, uh, to answer your question uh, a little more briefly than we have been, 
you could be having uh, completely non-paranormal phenomena that appear to be paranormal because of standing waves and infrasonics and this sort of thing. Maybe not. It bears watching. It bears caution. But I wouldn't worry too much about it. Uh, <clears throat> the, the popping of the water bottle in the room, what do you think of that, Ben? Um, I don't know. That's, I, I'd that's like interesting. To, that's not entirely clear to me what, what that was no it's not clear to me either. okay perhaps and, Stephen, you feel free to write again and, and clarify and add anything to this but that's at this point i'd say um i wouldn't be too concerned about you know being haunted particularly because uh your sister was not experiencing any of this either yeah uh i would say uh, is not experiencing any of this i should say and uh, you probably just I, i'd fall back on the infrasonics for at least some of this yeah but to keep us informed steve indeed okay all right so that's... we've got Oh yes, we have Fred. Ah uh, yes, with the haunted, haunted ship from. Oh yeah, that's haunted good. boat. Fred from Alameda, California. Ben, don't give away the story. Sorry, uh, Fred writes to us. Have you ever heard of a haunted boat? It sounds like the start of a joke. Uh, apparently, <laughs> I have. I have one, and it started last summer. It is a 30-foot cruiser that uh, runs just fine, but every time my family and I go aboard, things are moved around. Sometimes the bunks are torn up, and food is scattered on the deck. Uh, I have owned this boat for five years, and this is the uh, this is the uh, this only started last year. Uh, what is this, and what can we do about it? Well, it's very interesting to answer the, his first question. Yes, I have Did you come down with us uh, to Rhode, uh, Portsmouth, Rhode Island, to the uh, haunted yacht, allegedly haunted yacht? I don't recall. Well, a friend of ours is a uh, yacht broker, and uh, we were um, he, he took me out onto this lovely Nordhaven yacht, uh, which is uh, <clears throat> was big enough to cross the ocean, I believe. Lovely, lovely vessel. I couldn't afford it, to say the least. But the uh, the person, the owner was complaining that uh, strange things would be seen and things were moving around and things of this kind. Well, again, uh, in Rhode Island here, of course, we're on the ocean and we have salt water. So uh, that is not necessarily... Um, the problem, I suppose, as it would be on the Great Lakes, we are freshwater, at least uh, conducting uh, electromagnetic fields in this point uh, to the point of creating uh, paranormal phenomena. However, there are other things <clears throat> that are of interest. Uh, this was a largely um, fiberglass vessel. However, there was some metal and even iron in it, as far as I could see from the, the structure. And iron moving through the water, salt water uh, as well, uh, will become highly magnetized. Right? Uh, this could be one reason why there are haunted ships. Of course, the most famous one being, I believe it's the Queen Mary uh, out in California. I think it's around Los Angeles. I've never been there, but it's a, a hot spot for ghost hunters and all this sort of thing. And uh, we actually deal with that in our um, upcoming book. Uh, ben and I have a book coming out in the fall or the winter. Uh, which is named after the show, essentially, Behind the Paranormal, uh, Everything You Know is Wrong, which is our motto. So that uh, that is, is another possibility. But we've got a 30-foot cruiser here, uh, runs fine, and every time the family goes aboard, things are moved around, every time. That's interesting. Uh, bunks are torn up and food is scattered on the deck. Uh, this is um, very possibly uh, another infrasonic situation, although it does sound... Uh, Kind of interesting. I'd like to hear more about it, but it could be uh, or perhaps some excessive magnetism, or someone's breaking into your boat. Well, that, well, that's another thing that I thought of. I mean, it's pot, that's, that happens relatively frequently. Uh, it, does your marina have proper security? Uh, can people get out onto the docks and get onto the boats? I mean, there are some places where that occurs. I remember a case we had our boat down here back when we had one was wrecked in a hurricane that never hit us. That's a long story. Uh, but <laughs> uh, people would, would sometimes get out. Not our boat. It wasn't that big. It wasn't that attractive either. Mm. But people would uh, sometimes up and down the marina there would say they would, uh, you know, have issues with uh, intruders. And then finally they had to put in more security because that's back in the 80s and 90s. Um, so anyhow, there, there could be that. I would, uh, before assuming a haunted explanation, because especially because this, this has not happened the whole time you've had the boat, uh, it's only started last year. I would look at uh, more of a mundane security explanation first. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, I'd like to know if there's anything broken, any locks broken, uh, any any other signs. Have, has has it been fingerprinted? Have you told the police about this? That's where I'd start. That's where. But yeah. it, it is possible that there uh, may be a quote unquote paranormal explanation. So there you go. 
All right. <clears throat> I have a really long one from Rob in West Hartford. Why don't we take that? Rob in West Hartford, Connecticut. Let's take it one step at a time. Okie doke. So Rob writes to us. Let me uh, figure out a way to break this up. It works fine for me. So Rob writes to us uh, listening to the show on uh, the 6th of March in 2016. You were talking about uh, reflections of ghosts in photographs. A few years ago, I saw a ghost cat. No, we talked about this. Did we? Yes, we did. When? Two weeks ago? Yeah. Oh, all right. No, I remember this because I, I remember... It's very long. Yes, we did. Because... Really? Yes. Okay. Yes, we did. We well, you're a good man, Gunga Din. You have, uh, you know... A lot of uh, because I, it was about it was about the 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 cat the ghost cat. I don't remember that. I remember it. I must, have, I must have a parallel world experience here. All right, just for that, you get to start reading this one, which will probably take <laughs> eight shows to get through. This is from uh, our friend Caleb, a long, long time listener from Monterey, Mexico. We seem to have an audience in Mexico, which I find. Uh, pleasing and intriguing. Okie doke. Caleb writes to us, uh, if we could all look into the future, what might we see? A remote viewer and visionary um, uh, intuitive uh, EM, uh, Nikolai, uh, is so good at predicting future events that governments and corporations have tried to pick his brain for years. Consequently, he learned quickly to fly low under the radar, which is why you've uh, probably never heard of him. He is a modern day. Actually, no- I have. He is a modern this day. Is what I'm thinking of. Nostradamus, and his remarkable gift has led him to lead a very uh, seclusionary life. I've known Gene for many years. In 2010, he warned me that my scheduled February 2011 trip to Egypt would most likely be canceled. He saw escalating civil unrest in the area, and he advised me to purchase travel insurance to protect myself against cancellation. Six months later, and two weeks uh, before I was supposed to leave for Cairo, uh, Tahir Square erupted in chaos and the country was literally locked down. The trip was canceled due to unforeseen acts of God. Uh, I was grateful for uh, having taken his advice by not buying the travel insurance. Around the same time that Gene warned me of uh, Egypt's uh, upcoming civil unrest, he also informed me that World War III uh, would be played out in Syria and to look... L- for certain uh, signs. At the at the time, not much was happening in Syria, but later, when uh, uh, President Assad was uh, erroneously accused of using chemical weapons on his people, it was later learned that the rebels obtained the chemical weapons from Western sources, and Russia saved the day by preventing the U.S. from waging war against Syria. I thought we had dodged a bullet on the World War III prediction. In the past two weeks, I began to wonder uh, if back then uh, was only the beginning of something much bigger heating up, and perhaps Gene was right after all. Uh, it is now evident that... All right, the... why, why don't we kind of deal Ooh, with it? First okay. part, at the risk of sounding like the network news here, which we don't want to do. But these things are relevant. I think the question arises from the first few paragraphs here. Uh, how do people... First of all, what is remote viewing? It's a term some of our listeners may not be familiar with. Remote viewing is something that <clears throat> is um, uh, some, someone supposedly can, who is a very sensitive or psychic, whatever term you want to use, can sit here, say, in Rhode Island and can uh, see something that's going on in Cairo or Mexico or wherever we're, we're talking about. And uh, that is called remote viewing uh, for obvious reasons. Now, the question is, how does this occur? Uh, regardless of how it occurs, governments have had serious projects to uh, militarize remote viewing. Uh, I'm thinking of Project Stargate, which went on until at least the 1990s and probably is still going on, and they actually rec- recruited psychics. This went on for like 30 years uh, to see if they could not only remote view, but whether they could detonate explosives. It's like to, to me. It's, it's it's like training dolphins to carry bombs. It's awful, you know. With all due respect to my own background as as a, as a my own military background, um, which I'm very proud. However, uh, be that as it may, uh, this is what remote viewing uh, is about, and this is where it gets interesting, uh, because Project Stargate was based uh, was a reaction to a Soviet project to harness psychic power for military purposes. So the, what, when we talk about the flap areas we are investigating, particularly the Litchfield County, Connecticut area, 
uh, we're talking about military activity that occurs in these areas. Um, and it, it all seems to be unrelated. Uh, UFO sightings, the military, ghosts, poltergeists, Bigfoot, and other things that have not, we can't even put a name on. Uh, the, we've got, apparently, uh, the whole thing is brought together by the idea that they're researching these areas, which apparently, in our terms, are intersect areas between a number of parallel worlds where these inhabitants come together, and uh, we would love to weaponize the whole thing, and so perhaps that is, <clears throat> although Ben had an idea about uh, power research going on there, but that's all the same kind of, in the same kettle. So that that's kind of the background of this. So remote viewing uh, to interpret political and military events is not is nothing new, and it's it's quite real, at least to these governments, okay? And I believe it is real, too. Uh, I've never been involved in any project like that except to research these flap areas. But when I was in the military myself, that was not part of anything I did. Um, so just uh, that's just some background. What do, you, what do you think about that, Ben? I mean, what? I mean, no, you know, Caleb here is is talking about real things. This this is not. No, I know. You know, I'm I'm. But, but how does remote viewing work? I mean, is somebody actually seeing that? I think that it works the same way as some dreams or even deja vu, the feeling that you've been somewhere before, because you you are there in, in a parallel life. All right. Yeah. Uh, you 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 are you know one part of the world and seeing a part of another another part of the world where something's going on because you were you were really there in a parallel reality. Whether it's accurate. Uh, is another question because what's going on in the world in which you're there may not be going on in this world. Mm-hmm. Although very often it is. Yeah, that's one possible explanation. I think that's an interesting explanation, and I think yeah. it, I think so. In other words, these things can can yeah. be real, and they are taken seriously by serious people. Yes, yes, indeed. So if you want to continue, all right. Well, I mean, we don't have a super amount of time, but oh, we we'll don't. See I we can... didn't notice the time. Okay. Well, yeah, time yeah. flies. Well, maybe another another graph or two. Well, I mean, we'll yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see because yeah, and we'll, we'll continue just, this in future. Just shows. starting to get good. Yeah, well, <laughs> kind of. Um, yeah, well, be, episode two will be in the next open line show. Anywho, uh, he keeps writing to us. It is now evident that events in Syria are quickly taking on disturbing global proportions. Well, many of us are. That. Well, many of us are wondering uh, if this is indeed the war of all wars, as biblical pro- prophecy has predicted. Since I hadn't spoken to Gene for some time, I decided it was time to see what else was appearing on his personal radar screen. I was surprised to hear he has just released his newest book on the very subject, Timeline Collapse and Universal Ascension, Ascension, uh, The Future of Third Dimensional Earth and the Fifth Dimensional Terra. is a riveting look at the coming world events on the future timeline of Earth uh, from now until the year 2569. It also explores the ascension of the human angelic souls to Earth's fifth dimensional all right, well, counterpart let's, let's, planet Terra. All right, all right. That, that's a little too much uh, for now. Uh, you know, I, I'm very wary. Having having a theological academic background, I'm very wary of a lot of these people pinning stuff. On, they do the same thing with Nostradamus. Like after the fact, they say, "Aha, he must have meant this." Uh, you really can't predict anything. But but this whole idea of the the biblical revelation particularly the book of Revelation, as predicting modern events, really kind of steams my clams. I, I mean, theologically, it's, it's terrible theology. Um, the early church, when they put the Bible together in 325, the Bible, did not, the New Testament did not spring ready-made out of uh, the Last Supper or anything like that. Uh, in the year 325 A.D., there were so many books of, the, of Scripture, alleged Scripture, floating around that the church had a giant council, in Nicaea, in what's now Turkey, and they had a, a big fight over what should be included in the New Testament. The And the book of Revelation barely made it. They thought it was too wild. Uh, there was no proof of a lot of it, but it did get in, so that must mean something. Um, but the, the Old Testament revelations, a lot of the worst of them referred to the, the reign of King Hezekiah in Israel, who made a pig's breakfast out of the whole scenario there. And this this idea of um, modern revelation coming out of the Bible is is a is a really a 19th century concept. Early Christians and medieval Christians and Christians, even in, in the Reformation, really weren't too clear about that. So I'm a little nervous about that. However, that does not mean that other, that that there cannot be things seen from a distance in time or space because of the multiverse. It's all simultaneous. So I'll just leave it at that because we haven't got a lot of time left. Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, pick that up perhaps. And thank you, Caleb, for a very thoughtful and interesting interesting note. 
So Ben, we're halfway done. No, no. Well, that'll be <laughs> episode For two. Time. Sequel. Go ahead. Alrighty. So the annual New England Parafest at Ashworth by the Sea in Hampton Beach is uh, in New Hampshire, obviously, uh, scheduled for this coming weekend, uh, that's April 8th and 9th, and uh, which we have been uh, announcing for months, it has been canceled. But the organizers tell us that it will be held again in 2017. Well, there you go. They're good people. They'll get it together. As far as we know, the Connecticut Gathering of the Paranormal, quote-unquote, in Windsor Locks on July 23rd is still on. Uh, we are scheduled to speak at that. We will present on Saturday, and on Sunday we will host the weekly edition of this show with a panel of all the speakers before a live audience. That's the plan, anyway. The event will benefit the Queen of Hearts Thoroughbred Retirement Farm in Maine. This fall, uh, we will be speaking at the, the MUFON event in Philadelphia at the Exeter UFO Festival September 3rd and 4th in Exeter, New Hampshire, and the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lancaster, Massachusetts in October. Meanwhile, you can find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com. Uh, one of the top websites for visits and use, and also at our site, you'll find over 650 free recorded shows from both ON 1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. I always get a kick out of the... Um... <coughs> fact that we are invited to speak at more UFO conferences than we are at uh, these quote-unquote ghost hunting conferences because I don't think I don't think our ideas are good for business for those who make a living at quote-unquote ghost hunting. No, I always think that's, that's interesting. I find a lot more open-mindedness among the UFO people, with many exceptions, with yes. many exceptions, such as, such as the Parafrest people who, who really are great friends of ours and, and are open-minded. Anyway, Indeed. Uh, this fall, you can start looking for the forthcoming book originally titled Cosmic Journey. That's confused some people. I think it's a different book. Uh, now, at the request of our publisher, it is be- the title is Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. How do you, how do you like them apples? That's uh, coming from Schiffer. That's not part of the title. Coming from <laughs> Schiffer Publishing. Uh, we'll let you know when the release date is and uh, when we have it ourselves. And there will be a release event of some kind, probably some we're here in New England. Perhaps with and- fireworks. Perhaps, or, or with remote viewing even. Oh, yes. Uh, and we'll let you know about that. So you can find my other books on uh, Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, Barnes & Noble Nook, and all those usual suspects. But if you buy them directly online at BehindTheParanormal.com, our show site, I'll be happy to sign them for you, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our website, you'll find direct links to several charities Ben and I have adopted, including Help for Haiti, USACares.org, uh, Canadian Veterans Advocacy and also Youth Mentoring Connection out in Los Angeles doing great stuff for at-risk youth out there. Tony LeRae doing a terrific job. And uh, <clears throat> that's youthmentoring.org. And there are two books of special interest here uh, to our local listeners in New England, The Bell Witch Project. Uh, that's uh, from Global Publications. That's uh, Global Communications, I should say, Timothy Green Beckley's publishing company. And check that out on Amazon.com. Also, UFO Repeaters uh, <clears throat> as well. So, um, next Sunday? What do we got next Sunday? Next Sunday, which is April 10th, uh, we will welcome author and researcher Robin Bellamy for a look at the uh, Mothman phenomena of the 1960s. A new look at it, I should say. Yes, Robin is Canadian, but is from uh, West Virginia originally. Hmm. So we uh, <coughs> excuse me, leave you this afternoon with a thought from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Life's most, persi- most persistent and urgent question is, what are you doing for others? Unquote. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.